Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Bienvenidos, señoras y señores, to another episode of the Bleed Lows Podcast. This episode of the Bleed Lows Podcast is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online is your number one source for all your betting needs. Get the latest odds, lines, and matchup reports for baseball, football, college football, boxing, golf, and more. Bet Online continues to be the fastest and easiest way to place your wagers, including live betting, and your favorite casino and card games are available to play right from your phone. So head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and get in on the action. Remember to use your promo code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V, for your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, where the game starts. And joining us on the carne asada is a world champion. You also know him as a former Dodger. You also see him on Spectrum Sports Net LA and being a commentator. He is Jerry Hairston Jr. Bienvenido, Jerry. ¿Cómo estás, amigo? Bien, y tú, Juan. ¿Cómo estás, Roger? How you doing, brother? Muy bien, muy bien. Uh, Jerry, so a lot to get into. So let me just start with this first. What did you see in that series, in the NLDS between the Doyers and the Diamondbacks? Uh, I just saw, you know, the Diamondbacks play extremely well. Uh, they swung the bats extremely well. They ran the bases. Uh, they were a dynamic team uh, offensively. Defensively, they've been great really all year, and they've gotten better as the year went along. I thought the pitching, especially the bullpen, uh, pitched extremely well. Uh, the starters obviously pitched well. Uh, and they, they should be commended. You know, they, they went out there. They did the job. They went out. They deserved to win. They took the fight to us. I think what was disappointing is, you know, anytime you lose, you're going to be disappointed, especially when you're the better team. And I think the D-backs uh, and even the D-backs fan base would, will understand that Dodgers, on paper, are the better team. You still got to play the best. Uh, and obviously the D-backs played their best baseball what was disappointing to me was it just seems like we didn't put up a fight. You know, that's what's really disappointing. Um, and I could see it in game three. I'm a big energy guy. I've played the game a long time, guys. I've seen and watched baseball. I grew up in the clubhouse. You know, I grew up in the, in, in the, in the old White Sox clubhouse back in the day in the 80s and, and early 90s. So I watch energy. I, I want to see how guys react, teams react, players react. I saw the D-backs in game three, the first two innings, they were kind of waiting for the Dodgers to do something because they knew they're going to really give us our best punch. And we failed to do that. And then when we didn't do that against their rookie pitcher, who really was giving the Dodgers plenty of pitches to hit, there wasn't Kurt Schilling on the mound. That wasn't Randy Johnson on the mound. Uh, this young man's going to be a good pitcher in the big for a long time, but he was a rookie. He was just trying to throw strikes and we failed to take advantage of the first two innings. That was the that was crushing to me. So then on the flip side, okay, if you guys aren't going to come after it, we're going to come right back. Boom! It was a steamroll effect. The nine hitter hit a home run, and then here comes Marte. Uh, and then I thought after Marte home run, I thought you know you get somebody up right away because I love Lance Lynn. He's a fierce competitor. He's pitched a lot of a long time in the big leagues. He's been a great great pitcher, but he's a fly ball pitcher. And once you know we we say as a hitter, home runs come in bunches. Well, for Lance Lynn, for whatever this, this season, for whatever reason, his home runs come in bunches. I mean, it's pretty – it's been pretty recorded. It's been on record the last year or so. So, um, it's just disappointing, man. You know, the offense just wasn't there the last couple of years in the postseason. Uh, you're, listen, hitting is the hardest getting, – getting hits is the hardest thing to do in all sports. I get it. I'm a career 260 hitter. I know how hard it is to get hits. Trust me, I know. But when you look at the approach – the approach the last two seasons, it wasn't there. I'm hearing it from scouts. I'm hearing it from former players. It is glaring to me, and I don't understand why we haven't changed our approach in the postseason because you better you better change your approach in the postseason because you're not facing four or fives 
you know, in the rotation, you're facing everybody's best. You know, I, I, Jerry, I, I, it's not fair, right? But this is the business that they're in. Uh, when something happens like this, because now this is last year was the first time I ever heard the term organizational failure when it came to to a baseball team. This year, it feels like, again, it's the same thing, organizational failure, because nothing worked. The pitching wasn't there, except for the bullpen. The bullpen was good. Bullpen's great. But the starting pitching there wasn't there, and the offense wasn't there. But you got to somebody's got to take the blame, right? They're going to look to point the finger. And the last two days, all we've been hearing is this is Dave Roberts' fault. This is Dave Roberts' fault. Do do you agree with that, Jerry? No, I don't agree with it. Um, you know, Dave Roberts. I thought this year was his best uh, managerial job. First of all, let's look at the pitching first. The pitching was decimated. No Dustin May. No no um, Tony Gonsolin. Obviously, no Julio Arias. That's one, two, three. Okay. Clayton Kershaw is not a one anymore. He's not a two anymore. I'm sorry. Kirsch is my boy. I love Kirsch. He has such courage. Understand, you know, where he's at in, in, in the grand scheme of things in his career, 16 years, he's put so much on his body, so much on that shoulder. We've relied so much on him. For him to, to be gone out there game one, I thought that was just putting too much on him. He's not a, 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 a one anymore. Uh, I think he knows that. Uh, I think everybody else knows that. Uh, and I love Kirsch to death, but Kirsch is not going to say no because he's a warrior. Uh, he, he wants the ball no matter what. I thought Bobby Miller should have taken the ball. Now, you can go back and look the last month, me and Omar Garcia party, go back in the pre and post game. I said, he's our ace. He's our ace. He's our ace. You always put, put your ace, game one. The reason why I say this is because if Clayton Kershaw gets knocked around because he, the velocity wasn't there, Arizona has seen them for years. They, they're very familiar with him. They haven't seen Bobby Miller a lot, obviously, because he's a rookie. I want the best stuff game one and, and, and really allow him to start fresh in the series. What that happened in game one, Bobby Miller got a chance to see Clayton Kershaw, Clayton Kershaw, Dodger, obviously icon, get hit around, get knocked around, and then had an extra day to think about. Game two was the, was the, it was two days later. So he sat around thinking about, man, Kirsch got hit around. Arizona, this team is hot. They were hot in Milwaukee. Now they're hot here. Now I got to be perfect. Bobby wouldn't have thought about, I've got to be perfect. Here's my stuff. Here it is, hit it in game one. You know what I'm saying? So I, I'm, I'm with the, always with the rule of you always go with your ace no matter what. There's no sentimental stuff. You go with your ace. And I think everybody knows, knows Bobby Miller was the ace, you know, heading into the postseason. I mean, nobody's going to argue that. So, uh, but again, you know, you know, this or that, and we don't want to make excuses. Bottom line, the D-backs deserve to move on. We have failed to, to make adjustments uh, throughout the course of postseasons the last few years. Guys have admitted it. I know the organizations admit it. They're not hiding from it. You know, like you mentioned, the organization said it was an organizational failure last year. Uh, the guys were very stand-up, you know, getting interviewed. They made no excuses about the time off. You know, I know that's kind of been saying, well, we had five days off. There's been people talking about that. The Astros have had time off. We had time off in 2017. I thought that would benefit us this year because Will Smith obviously was tired down a stretch. And Will Smith had a great LDS swing the bat. He was making adjustments, going the other way, shorting up his swing. Um, and he looked great at the plate. Uh, I thought the day off would have benefited us as, as opposed to hurting us. But whether it's three days off, five days off, six days off, you know, we just didn't play well. You know, Jerry, you brought up something that actually we've been talking about on these last two episodes, and and that is the approach. Uh, you know, we were there when uh, Friedman and Gomes were addressing the media, and what I heard was, and I know a lot of the people who hate sabermetrics are going to love this, but what I taught, what I heard was a lot of math talk. I talk a lot of formula talk, a lot of a variance, and what I've been arguing is. So far, the variance seems to be the playoffs. Jerry, you've been there before. You, you're a part of a championship team. You're a major leaguer. Is it possible to manage the playoffs the same way you manage the regular season? Because to me, that, this, is what, this is what it feels like. It's been happening the last two years. They go in with a game plan, and they stick to it no matter what. I like, I like the box of 
you know, grew up watching the sport of boxing. Um, when you're in the boxing ring, you can score, right? Get your points in, block, make sure you get your hits in, and then you can win the fight on decision. Well, that's the regular season. In the playoffs, it's a street fight. Street fight. Nobody cares about points. Nobody cares how, how you look, how many punches you've landed, how many punches you were able to block to tire your opponent out, how many he missed. It's a street fight. You better find a way to not so wor much worry about your swing. He's worried about making hard contact, staying short to the ball, because 90 feet matters. You put pressure on the opposition when the guy's on base, okay? So maybe the approach that you had throughout the season when there's pitching staffs, when you're playing 162 games in 181 days, yes. Do they have a scouting report? Yes, they do. But the final exam, where everybody studies for that final exam, is guess what? It's the postseason. So everybody knows your holes, everybody knows your tendencies, and they're going to exploit it. So you have to be able to change, you have to be able to adjust on the fly. I, I was kind of talking crazy because you got to get a little crazy sometimes with postseason. I learned it from my managers that I, I played for in the past. I said, start Bruce Dark Gratterall game three. Start him. Start him. He's not a starter, but we've had openers before. Open him. Let him pitch a first two innings because they, were, they weren't really comfortable. And he pitched, what, two and a third inning? He's been dominant the whole year. Let him go and then bring Pepio in there. You know what I'm saying? And then bring in Lance Lynn in big situations. Well, he's never done. Yes, he has. He did it with the St. Louis Cardinals team. I faced him coming out of the bullpen. I know he was younger, but he's done it before. You have to be able to, to manage on the fly, be able to, to make adjustments because sometimes you got to flip the script, man. You have to. Other teams are doing it to us. I play for nine different organizations. You don't think I have friends on different organizations telling me what's going on? You know what I'm saying? I have friends that I play with that are managers now, assistant GMs, GMs in organizations. Um, they understand that, you know, we you know, basically our team that likes to manage the way we did because we had so much success in the, in, in the, in the, in the, in the regular season. And you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to say this. I understand the thinking because we have so, so much success in the regular season. Let's do the same thing in the postseason because that makes sense. But guys, I'm telling you, man, postseason doesn't make sense. It doesn't. I know superstar players that get scared, you know, when it's the playoffs, they play differently. I know guys that are just, Good players become stars in the post because they're not afraid. They want the moment. Keith Hernandez. I don't know if you guys follow me on Twitter. I was screaming for Keith Hernandez to start because he ain't afraid, bro. He don't care about your stats. He don't want to care about your righty-lefty matchup. This is the postseason, bro. I'm here to ball. Guys, there are guys like that. You know what I'm saying? There are guys like There are pitchers like that. So I understand the metrics. I understand the stats. But it's a different game. I have seen it. Not just as a player, not just playing in the World Series, not just watching in the playoffs. I've seen it as a commentator, and I've seen how guys talk. It's a different game, man. You've got to be able to, to adjust accordingly. Jerry, after game two, Roberts, I think, was very adamant that he was not happy with the approach at the plate. And, and you had mentioned it before, too. Uh, and I know Dave Roberts is not this kind of manager, but is there anybody in this ball club? Like, I, I know it's not fair to compare, compare him to Tommy Lasorda or to have guys like Kirk Gibson, but shouldn't someone have been going around that dugout saying, dude, what are you doing? Shorten up your swing. Go to the opposite field. Like, what, what's going on here? And it doesn't, or maybe someone did and just this team didn't respond to it. Respond to it? I, I don't I don't know guys I'm not in the, in the clubhouse I, I don't know what was going on I will say this um, there, there's great leaders in that clubhouse Dave Roberts is a fighter man I've known Dave Roberts for years decades Dave Roberts walked on at UCLA when nobody said he could play college baseball started at UCLA he would never play pro ball not only did he end up playing pro ball took him a while but he got to the big leagues and then once he got to the big leagues became a fourth outfielder then became an everyday leadoff kind of guy. He beat cancer, you know, when obviously that is a serious, serious disease. I know Dave Roberts. He's a fighter, man. Trust me. There's stuff that he may not say. As you say, why is he more vocal? Why, bro, trust me. When something needs to be said, Dave Roberts will say it behind closed doors. There are fighters in that, in that clubhouse. Mookie Betts, champion. Freddie Freeman, champion. These guys work extremely hard. They are crushed right now. 
whatever we say, whatever's being said, trust me, guys, it, it, it won't phase them because they feel 10 times worse. I, I want a world riding the coattails of Derek Jeter, Mariana Rivera, CC Sabathia, Alex Rodriguez. I was fortunate to be on that team. Yes, I, I was a, a part of the championship team. But these stars, man, they understand the weighty responsibility. They understand that. So that's why they take it upon themselves so hard. So I know Mookie Betts. I know Freddie Freeman is crushed because they understand you may not get these type of opportunities. Well, now with the Dodgers, obviously, <laughs> you get these opportunities year to year out. But trust me, other clubs, man, don't you feel that this may be your chance and you miss out on your chance. So uh, nobody feels worse than right now than Freddie Freeman, Mookie Betts. I know they work extremely hard. They're crushed. They're devastated uh, because I know uh, what it means to what they what it means for them to win again here uh, with the Dodgers. Jerry, you're the GM. Put on your, your your GM hat here. This is two years in a row now that you've gone. I mean, this this year I know at least to the fans is more painful than last year. Uh, but you, if you're in the front office, like, how do you fix this? Because it seems like, yeah, you won a hundred games and you got to get there first, you know, you got to do it in the regular season, but it seems like in the postseason, like you said, especially in the last two years, this team has not responded. How can you address a problem that doesn't exist in the regular season, but you know, it's going to come up later on. You know, it's amazing. I, I didn't work game three, but I was here in Arizona watching game three and I saw, you know, obviously the D-backs win. Uh, I had a hard time sleeping that night because I was thinking. I was thinking as a former player. I was thinking for Freddie Freeman, Clayton Kershaw, Mookie Betts, the entire team, Jason Hayward, David Peralta, on down the line. Because I know, I think about more about the times that we were on good teams that we lost than, than winning a World Series. You know, if, if I think about 10 times about postseasons, 90% of the time, I think about the times that we lost. What could we have done? What could we have changed? I still think about it. You know what I'm saying? And then sometimes I think about oh, Yankees. That was awesome. I had a great time. I know that's been kind of going in my head. And I know it's been going on Andrew Freeman's head right now, Dave Roberts, Gomes, the entire organization. What could we do differently? Because we have talent. You know, I think continue uh, getting your talent healthy. Walker Buehler's coming back. Uh, I think they go out and probably get another uh, player. Is Otani in our future? I, I have a feeling we're going to make a run at him. Do we get him? I don't know. Uh, that would be great. Uh, if not, do you get another stud pitcher? Uh, I think when you have studs like Walker Buehler uh, and another stud to go along with a young Bobby Miller, a young Pepio, uh, a young Sheehan, that's a formidable rotation. When you have stud staffs, when you can just put up zeros, then it allows your offense to calm down. You know what I'm saying? You know what? We don't have to be perfect. I think that's the avenue I would go now to the offense. I, I, I would just say this. Bro, get your numbers. I get it. Do what, Hit your 35, 40 home runs, 120 RBIs. Do what you need to do in the regular season because we're so talented enough. We're going to win 95 to 105 games. We're going to be the postseason. I get it. Go get your money. I'm all for the player, okay? But I remember Derek Jeter right before the NLDS against the Minnesota Twins. He didn't really say a whole lot. He didn't really say a whole lot. He spoke right before it was a workout, right after our workout before game one, the night before game one. He said, listen, man, you do what you need to do to get your, get your job done. It ain't about the superstar. It ain't about the 25th guy on the team. It ain't about that. You do what you need to do in the batter's box to get the job done. Gone are trying to get your numbers. No, 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 no. Ain't about that. You do what you, if it's two strike hitting, put the ball in play. If you need to move the guy over, you better make sure you get him over. But if you have to, it's about the team and winning 11 times. That's the only thing that matters. Now, that's the Yankees organization. I didn't think it needed to be said, but for Derek Jeter to say that in that meeting, right before that put another stress on it. You know what I'm saying? It's the approach. It is the approach. So that's what I would say. Hey, get your numbers. I get it. It's about doing your thing because we're going to win games. We're just so talented. But once you get to the postseason, bro, I don't want to see this. 
this launch angle stuff, it don't happen. Ken, Ken Rosenthal reported a couple days ago, it's all, it's all over Twitter. The Texas Rangers uh, offensive coordinator, his name doesn't ring a bell right now. Uh, I apologize. Just love what he said. It's all over Twitter. He said, hey, man, we got our numbers in the regular season. We, got, we did our thing. Ain't about that no more. We're putting ball on, on a line every single time. It, it, it's all over Twitter, guys. And seeing big dudes get on top of the ball, line drive the other way, high fastball, because that's how we're pitching now. Because if you're going to do this, guess what? Pop up, pop up, weak fly out, strike out. So we're going to cover that pitch. Now we're going to get our line drives. And guess what? Now to puts the pitcher in the stretch. He's got traffic. Talk to any pitcher. If there's traffic in the postseason, they're a little nervous because they're one pitch away from it being a three on homer or something in the gap and then momentum. Right. So I just love Texas, the Texas Rangers approach. It was just our approach back in the day. You know what I'm saying? And for them to be the team that because they are a big home run hitting team. You know what I'm saying? For them to say, we ain't doing that now. This is the postseason. Uh, I'll send you the the, the, the the tweet. It was just brilliant. It, it was brilliant because that's how you have to be in the postseason, man. You have to be that way. Well, Dad, Jerry, I mean, I can't. I couldn't hit a pumpkin with a guitar, but after hearing that speech, at least I'm going to go out. Maybe they needed you in the dugout, you know, no. at least bef- in the clubhouse before the game. I, I want to be respectful of your time. Uh, Roger, do you have any last uh, parting shots for, for Jerry? Is it Donnie Ecker? Is that the coach, Donnie Ecker? That sounds right. Yes, Donnie Ecker. Yes. Okay. Donnie Ecker. Yes, that's the tweet. Ken Rosenthal reported on it. Uh, if you could find it, obviously put it on here. Do what you need to do because it was brilliant. And that's the approach you need to have. And that's the old school approach. You know, um, older players talk about it. Rick Monday talked about it, I think, after game one uh, and was brilliant. Rick Monday does an incredible job. We have the pieces in place, the players, the coaching staff, the front office guys. It is second to none. I have been everywhere in this game. I play for nine different organizations. I got friends everywhere in this game. The Dodger organization is second to none. They are trying, but they say maybe we need to take a step back and kind of change it up a little bit. Sometimes you need to do that as far as approach. I'm not talking about personnel. You know what I'm saying? I'm talking about just to change the approach because these guys work extremely hard. I see it on a day-in, day-out basis. And as fans, we are crushed. I'm a fan now. We're crushed. But the players are hurting 10 times worse, man. I'm telling you, it's killing them. Jerry, I just you mentioned you mentioned it earlier with the um with the layoff. And and when they spoke to Mookie, he kind of alluded to it when they asked him what he thought about the layoff, and he said no comment. And I know it's not an it, it, it can't be an excuse, right? He said the Astros are doing it, other teams are doing it, right? But it is affect you, you've seen it, it is affecting teams, right? Like the Dodgers are out, the Rays are out, the Orioles are out. What what can they do during that layoff to keep them in rhythm to, to continue? There, there, there's really nothing you could do. I mean, the only thing I think Adrian Gonzalez brought brought this up to our attention on air. He said, bring up the triple A team, play the triple A team, play them in a two or three game series. Uh, I thought that was a brilliant idea. You keep your triple-A guys hot and you keep your big league teams hot because you're gonna, you may need a guy or two off that triple-A team if somebody gets hurt, right? So <clears throat> I thought that was a brilliant idea. Maybe you do that. Um, Mookie Betts wasn't making an excuse because he knows that's a long answer, and that's probably why he said no comment. Um, he never made an excuse in that interview when he was talking about why he didn't perform. He flat out said, I just did, didn't do anything for help us win, you know? Mookie knows uh, if he does his thing, we have a chance in the series. Freddie Freeman does it because these guys are superstars. They're not good players. They're incredible generational players, you know. So, obviously, they understand that, and, and it just didn't happen for them. So, what do they do? do? Do they change the wild card series, make it one more game, meaning go back to the one-game wild card, and then make the NLDS seven games? Maybe they do that. You know what I'm saying? I, I don't know, but – uh, this is the this is what it is now, so we just have to deal with it. Uh, Jerry, I, I, we want to thank you for coming on, man. I, I mean, what's so great uh, as. Uh, the great thing that you do as an analyst is you're not a guy who's just going to sit there and crap on players, but when people need to be called out, you you call it out. There's no no one can ever say you're a homer. 
you know, as you said, you're, you're rooting for the Dodgers, but there's a lot of truth to what you say. So we appreciate you coming on the show and sharing your thoughts because uh, yeah, we didn't get a chance to hear your game three uh, response. Uh, we saw Nomar and Hershiser out there. Yeah. Well, I, I care. I think the players understand. I care. They know I wasn't a superstar player. I know how hard this game is. Um, and I know how, how much it pains uh, the player when you lose, you know, so nothing I say, is going to hurt the player because they're hurting worse. Trust me, I've been on the losing side. I've heard fans, this, this, this. I got, yeah, I sucked. Trust me, I know. I'm, I was there. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I live with myself. You know what I'm saying? You yeah. can go home and, you know, go turn on the Lakers now. You know what I'm saying? Uh, but we, we got to live with ourselves. So I think the players know I always have their best interest. I, I root for them. I, I care about them, not just as players, but as individuals when they're done playing, you know, so uh, I, I hurt for, for them. I know they're hurting right now. And, and the organization, man, I know the organization's hurt because they put so much into the season once again. Uh, and, and, and from Andrew Freedom to, to Mr. Walter, to the entire organization, to the entire ownership group, they work extremely hard to put a good product on the field every single year. A lot of teams don't do that, guys. I'm telling you, they don't. They care. They want to win. And I know they're hurting right now. Well, I look forward now to your second job as NBA analyst. I always appreciate your Lakers uh, takes uh, on the Twitter. Look forward to them real quick. What do you what do you think this season? I mean, I know with Dame going to Milwaukee, I, I mean, it seems some teams are stacked. What do you what do you think? Do the Lakers even have a shot? I think the Lakers probably depth wise are the deepest team in the West. Now, from the top, I would say. Denver, and I would say the Phoenix Suns, obviously, are stacked. Now, health of LeBron James, health of Anthony Davis. Obviously, that has to be there. If it ain't, it's probably going to hurt us. But I think we're more equipped for that. When they do take rest days, I think this year's team is deeper. I think Reeves steps up. I think he becomes the closer. You know, at Mm -hmm. the end of games, you give him the ball. Uh, and, and then obviously work with AD and, and LeBron. But I, I think we needed a closer last year. I think Reeves could be the closer this, this season. There you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Jerry Hairston Jr. with the versatility, talking baseball and then uh, zagging to the basketball without any hesitation. Jerry, thanks again for coming on, man. Really appreciate the time. Anytime, guys. You do an incredible job. And a big thank you once again to Jerry Hairston Jr. of Spectrum Sportsnet LA. Uh, for joining us and and giving us uh, his two thoughts on on what happened with the Doyers, um, Babyface. I heard a lot of what Jerry was saying is a lot of stuff that we've been talking about on our last few episodes. Uh, what did you think of Jerry's take on this? What did you hear? Yeah, I mean, he kind of, you know, kind of what we've been discussing the same thing. Kind of how the team kind of just didn't look like they were able to. I guess come back once that, that that energy wasn't there, right? Kind of a lot of people have been saying that energy wasn't there. You know, they, they got punched and and kind of especially in that game three, like he's saying, like kind of expecting the Dodgers to come out and they didn't do that. And then the D backs kind of just took it over. Um, I uh, think talking about that, I wish I wanted to ask him and I totally forgot. I wanted to ask him what is kind of the energy like with, with the team? Like, like when they get like in that game one, right? They get punched. Clint Kershaw comes out six runs. Second in, they're down. They're down nine nothing. Like I wanted to kind of get into his his brain, kind of what the mentality is like of the team right there. Like, are there guys that kind of think you know what this game's over, you know, and kind of just start you know putting it away, or are there guys that still are trying to fight, you know? Well, I, I mean, I that that's a very quick good question because I think Alicia. She was at game one and Alicia had said she had that conversation with some people and they were like, look, when you're down that many runs at that point in a series, you're just getting ready for the next game. Uh, And you were in the clubhouse after game one. You said everybody was pissed, right? And then everybody showed up the next day to the workout. That was optional. So it seemed like there, there was a lot of anger. Uh, The thing that really surprises me, um, is that Jerry kind of said the same thing that we were talking about and the approach 
What he was seeing, and this is a conversation that we had on our last show, This when I asked him, it, because I think, honestly, after the game one, I really think, because this is the mentality of this team, I think, all right, we got him. Well, we'll, we'll just, we, we lost this one. We'll chalk it up. We'll, we'll bounce back the next day. Because that's what happens in the regular season, right? You got to have a very short-term memory in the regular season because you got a game tomorrow. You know, you got 162. But as Jerry was saying, it's like you can't have that mentality in the playoffs. There has to be more urgency. And that's what really I think is surprising to me because we heard Roberts bringing up the urgency thing back in August. But yet... It didn't seem like there was any urgency in the, in this series. Did you see any urgency? No. And, and right now what you're saying makes me think back to the 2020 series against the Braves, right? That that game that they just blew up that first inning, right? 11 yeah. rounds, right? Um, the game That's before- what they needed in that series. That's what they <sighs> needed that on, on Wednesday. If they would have done that on Wednesday, I think it changes everything. Yeah, but going back the the previous game, right towards the end, they were they were kind of catching and they're catching up to them, yeah. and then then they ended up short. But they they were fighting and fighting, and they were kind of getting that momentum back, kind of getting together, and then it just spilled over into the next game. And yeah. I think I think if they would even in that game one, it was nine nothing in the second. But if they would have fought back, got two, three, four, five, six, seven runs, whatever, units are still lost. I think that totally would have helped their psyche, right? Because like they showed, hey, we're coming back, we're, we're, we're scoring, we're doing our thing. And I think that would have helped, you know, going forward into, into, the, into the next game. And I thought, I thought, you know what, if they win game three, I kind of had a feeling if they win game three, I thought they would have won game four. I don't know what would happen in game five, but I think they would have got it back to LA. But obviously we saw what happened in game three. I mean, the other thing that I thought was interesting that he had said was when it came to the Bobby Miller, uh, starting Bobby Miller in game one, I think what was very obvious is the nerves got to the, to these rookies. And what this, what this makes me think of is Walker Bueller, I think is just a different cat because you remember when Walker Bueller made his first playoff start, it was against the Bravos and he got rocked. But after that, he was nails for the rest of that 2018 playoffs. Like it seemed like that was that one moment, that one where he got his nerves. He did it. He, it just overcame him. But after that, he learned real quick how to control that, that, that adrenaline that he had. Bobby Miller never got the chance, but he said it, he was super amped. What did James Outman say after the first one that he said the nerves got the best of them. So it's, it's, it's interesting to me that when I'm hearing that kind of stuff, I expect that from rookies because they don't know what to expect. But when I'm hearing guys who have played the game, when I'm hearing analysts say, and when you hear the own manager saying, I'm not happy with the approach, I don't like the approach that, that these guys were taking this seems like it's coming from a team that's never been in the playoffs before, but these are, this is a team made up of guys who have been in the playoffs. So as much as like, even Jerry says, no, you don't fire Roberts and everybody's just like, look, it's not their fault. It seems to me like the leadership of this team that whether to be the manager of the front office didn't have this team prepared to play. Am I just off base on that? I, I think it goes to back to what we were saying previous show and right now what, what Jerry said is the postseason is a whole different beast. And I like that analogy that he had, like, you know, boxing match here. You're trying to you're trying to get your points here, do this, do that, do but the postseason is like a street fight, right? And I think you know what what you guys were saying is yeah, it looks like the Dodgers they they have their way. This is this is what we do, this is how we work, this is what we do throughout the year. It works. We win, you know, we win the division, we get into the playoffs. But now come postseason, it's like that doesn't change. And and we're seeing that doesn't work in the postseason, right? They have to have that that dog or whatever. They, they need to change their mentality, their, their thinking in the postseason and say, like, you know, this isn't working. It's fine regular season. But once we get into the postseason, we got to change our approach. We have to change our at-bats and just completely 180 from what the regular season is going into the postseason. 
Yeah. I, I mean, look, Jerry points a very, I think, positive picture in terms of next year. Yes, we're going to have Walker Bueller back. You're going to have a, a season of Bobby Miller under under his belt. You're going to have Pepio and Sheehan who have experiences, who hopefully have learned from this. So it, it looks like the starting rotation, you know, as long as they stay healthy, that's going to be the big key is if they stay healthy, they'll probably still need to go out there and make some acquisitions to help the starting pitching. So as much as, as we hate it and it just sucks, maybe this is something that these young guys needed to go through in order for them to be successful because I, I think sooner or later there's going to be a changing of the guard because Mookie and Federico aren't getting, very, aren't getting any younger. We don't even know if Kershaw's going to be here, right? So you're going you're gonna to need new leaders on this team. And we don't know what the roster is going to look like next year. We don't know, is Miguel Vargas going to make a comeback next year? Are they going to give Michael Bush a chance? Gavin Lux is going to be coming back. I, I mean, who knows what this team is going to look like? But it, it is the Texas Rangers story that Jerry told. It As much as it goes back and forth of like the, the, the analytics versus, you know, the old school way of thinking, I think it's really hard to, to argue with it now because look at those teams that are left. And I think all these teams use analytics, but it just does seem like that that's that Texas Rangers hitting coach, that mentality of you already got your numbers. Now you got to do this. I I don't know if we saw that. And, and I don't want to sit there and say that these Dodger players were, were being selfish in the postseason because I don't think they were. I just think it goes back to what we were saying. It was the approach. We won a hundred games playing this way. Why are we going to change it now in the playoffs? Right. But it just didn't feel like they were the aggressor. And when Jerry says he fully expects the Dodgers to come out being aggressive in game three and they get dominated by a rookie pitcher with an ERA over five, that to me is just disconcerting. And it also just might be again, Baseball is just a very, you know, odd sport. Mookie Betts had been slumping for a month. Freddie Freeman had been, you know, he said the last five weeks, he didn't feel comfortable with his swing. And what Jerry had said, like those two guys were guys who were clear. I mean, it also just might be this. And we really didn't take into account how historic seasons those two guys were doing. And I know Dave, I want to give Dave Essay credit for this because Dave Essay has said this, that if you didn't have Mookie, if you don't have Federico on this team, this team wins 80 something games. So the fact that Federico and Mookie carried them for the made uh, for the, for the majority of the season, maybe gave the illusion that this team was better than really what it really was. And if those guys disappear, you have a team that's not as good as the Diamondbacks. Am I wrong there, babyface? I mean, I think, too, a lot of what we're seeing is like the Diamondbacks, and we saw this at the beginning of the year, we're seeing a different type of baseball, right? And, and they even spoke about this when they were having their press conference, is they, they are bringing a different type of baseball. You know, this, this young, uh, energetic-type team, you know, that, you know, they're running, right? They're, they're, they're doing a different style of play that is that maybe – I mean, it might even be like old school, right? Like kind of yeah. you don't see it. You don't see it like in, in the game today and especially with the base running and stuff. So I think maybe that's something that the Dodgers need to shift to as well, right? Um, I mean, but you know what? I, I felt like they kind of did it a little bit during the regular season, like with the guy stealing bases. Now, mind you, I don't think uh, Federico should be the guy leading your team in stolen bases. But the fact that James Altman was running and Chris Taylor was running, I, I like that aspect of it. I think the issue also is they, the Serpientes got their slump out of their way because, like, after the All-Star break, they went through it. That's where the Dodgers pulled away. Like, the Serpientes just went through a horrible slump after the All-Star break. And then they got hot. And what have we always been saying now? Now with the way that the new playoff format is, this is a tournament. This has So the, the regular season 
has nothing to do with this anymore. It, it's a tournament now. So the Serpientes, they came in hot. You know, the Dodgers slumped way in the beginning of the season, if you want to call it that. 500 for them is, is, is a slump. The timing is just horrible. It feels like every time the postseason starts, is that's when the Dodgers go into a slump because it always seems like towards the end of the summer, like July or August, that's when they click on all cylinders and they pull away from everybody. They go nuts. And you're just sitting there looking at it going, oh, they need to bottle this. You Can you maintain that quality of baseball for another two or four months? Who Who plays at that clip? Yeah, like if only, yeah, we were talking, you know, we we're talking about this earlier, right? How that July, August, yeah, they just like play like out of their out of their minds, right? Yeah. If, if somehow if they started that in September, right? Exactly. You know, will that make a difference, right? Will they get cooled off if they have five days? You know, if, if they're playing, like even everyone, like Mookie, right? He, Mookie had that incredible August, right? Yeah. And then after that, it just kind of it faded away. I mean, I think too the the thing that I didn't expect from from the D backs. Is like they were doing everything else right that they were doing, but they were slugging like I'm, it's like these guys just out of out of nowhere. Just to me, it seemed like all these guys were slugging right. You get those four home runs in that one inning, it's like it's like where did that come from? You don't think that was confidence? I mean, they knew that they had the Dodgers on the ropes, like they knew, and because of that, I mean, look if you look at the spray chart and that four home run inning. With Lance Lynn, everything was right down the middle. Everything was right down the middle. And you see that offensively, the Dodgers aren't doing anything. If it was a tighter, closer game, I'm sure the Serpientes would probably would have changed their approach because they did that in game two. In game two, they weren't swinging for the fences. In game two, they were putting the ball in play. They were being patient. They were taking their walks. You know, they were doing that. Here, I, again, I, the intel that they had on the Dodgers, it, it was just they knew that Lance Lynn was prone to the home run ball. So you don't think they sat there and they said, look, I could take my hacks on this guy because I got a chance of, of hitting a home run. Now, I don't think anyone would have anticipated four home runs in one inning. Uh, but I again, like, like Jerry said, you got to tip your hat to them. I mean, that was a team that... They knew the Dodgers very, very well. And yeah, you, you you sit there and you say, well, they were playing old school. To me, they were just playing baseball. And I just feel that sometimes the Dodgers are too one-dimensional. Like they only do, instead of taking advantage of all the different aspects of baseball, they only concentrate on one or two. While the Diamondbacks, I think, were just like, hey, we can win this game in many different ways. We can slug. We can get on base, take our walks, steal bases, manufacture runs, you know, and you just, I mean, when you play with that level of confidence where you feel you can't do anything wrong, that's got to be very empowering. And one thing too is we talk about it in baseball a lot, um, like adjusting, right? Making those adjustments to to what's going on. And I think the beginning of the season, right, when the the Dodgers lost to the D-backs, right, it seemed like they did make an adjustment for what, for how some of these teams like them were playing against them, right? And they did better, better against them, you know, towards the end of the year. And they did, you know, they did fine against the D-backs. But I think they couldn't make that adjustment in this series either, right? They saw how they came out, and they couldn't adjust on the fly. Like, say the season still goes on, right? Another couple more weeks, another month, and they play the D-backs. Maybe by that time they would have, hey, this is how they played us last time, and they make the adjustment, but they can't do it like on the fly in that series. And that's what hurt them. Now, not in a short series. I mean, I, like I said, I don't think they anticipated getting uh motorboated, uh, you know, in that game one and game two, I, I feel they probably thought, look, let's just play our game. We'll win game two. Um, I don't think they were expecting Bobby Miller to have absolutely no control. I don't think Bobby, they expected that Bobby Miller's nerves were going to get the best of him. Should they have? have known that and maybe that's the reason why they didn't want to start him in game one was they were concerned about his nerves i mean look i also get it i mean they were up against it uh they obviously did not trust their pitchers um i would have loved i mean we didn't see ryan pepio at all we didn't see ryan pepio and you could make the argument that ryan pepio was the guy who was pitching the best 
out of all of them in the last month? Should he have deserved to at least get in, get in a shot to go in there? Uh, like Jerry said, do you go with Pepio in game three, bring in, use Lance Lynn later on, or, or save maybe Lance Lynn for game four and, and use him with Kershaw? I mean, I mean, at that point, it just does seem a little bit of a head scratcher that the guy who's been pitching and it look for all we know, they could have put in Pepio in there and it would have been the same result. Pepio could have gotten lit up, you know, or at this point, maybe Pepio gives up two or three runs and it's enough because the offense just wasn't there. I mean, every, every indicator points to the fact that this just wasn't the Dodgers year, right? When it comes to the postseason, I mean, but, every, every, you know, the game two and game three, Definitely were games the Dodgers that they could have won, right? Four runs, right? I mean, yeah. seeing them score five, six runs, plenty of times, right? Obviously, game one, you know, death, you know, they got beat up from the from the start, but I think game two, you know, they they had their chances. Game three, same thing, right? And it just yeah, like you said it, it just didn't work out for them. Game two and game three looked very much like uh, the Showpod series last year, where they just they would have runners on base. And they just, they couldn't, they couldn't score. They couldn't score. I mean, that game too, from the fifth inning on, it seemed they had opportunities. And I just thought, all right, if they tie this game, they're going to do it. They're, they're, they're going to win. They're going to win. And they just could not get that big hit. And I don't think anybody would have foreseen Freddie, you know, I, I guess this is the, 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 the perfect summation of that series when, when Freddie takes that strike three call against Gallon on a curveball right down the middle, it was the heart of the plate. And he said, I wasn't expecting him to throw me three curveballs in a row. Like, what does that tell you? They obviously had a game plan, right? Like, this is what Gallon does. You know, there is, this is what you need to look for. And it's, uh, it, the, the, the unfortunate thing is just becoming, this is now the second year in a row. And it's like, okay, if it happens again next year, how many more times? Look, Dodger fans are upset, but I think Dodger fans may be upset because they look at the front office, and I get it that the front office and management, they need to be calm and they need to be rational. It's the fan that could be irrational. You don't want your front office, you don't want your managers to be the one that's what's panicking. But you brought this up when we on the last episode, Babyface, is like, when you don't hear from them, we still haven't heard yet from Friedman as of the recording of this episode. When you don't hear from them, you don't hear from the owner. It seems like there's complacency. It seems like you guys, well, you guys don't care. It doesn't bother you. And I think that's why Jerry had to go out of his way to sit there and say, trust me, these players are upset. It bothers them. It, it bothers them. You know, so it's it's just another ending to to adore your season. Um, any last words before we close up shop here, babyface? I mean, like you said, you know, you're saying yeah, it bothers them, and I mean, I mean, I, I mean, it's like, well, what do you really want them to do? Do you want the players to come out and say like, yeah, I'm pissed, and this, or like, is that what people want to hear? Do they want them to go on social media and say like, yeah, I hate this, it sucked, you know, we we sucked, and 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 say they're pissed off? I mean. They're just gonna say, "Hey, you know what? We had a good year," and that's kind of that's what you see, right? From every every player or whoever that that posts something, and they move on, right? That's how it is. I mean, if you saw Federico's uh, interview, you clearly saw he was pissed. He he was pissed. He was giving very short answers. Uh, I honestly thought Geek's interview was uh, was the best reaction because you could tell how upset he was. You could tell that it hurt him. And when he said the words that he felt embarrassed, like that to me was just like, for any of you guys, any fans who go out there and say, these guys don't care, these guys don't care, go watch Kika's interview. You know, and that's pretty much, the one that surprised me, the one that I really thought was going to be even more pissed was Muncie. Muncie seemed like he was super calm. Like he had just been like, hey, you know what? This is baseball, but Kikas was the one that it was, it was genuine. And then I, I think if you see Kikas interview, you can sit there and you go, you know what? He tried. It just didn't work out, you know, but 
It has now been, you know, two or three days and we still haven't hear, heard from Friedman. You know, we hear from Roberts, like Roberts right after the game is out there facing the media. He's out there taking the heat and I get it. That's his job. We shouldn't celebrate him for just doing his job. But here's an opportunity for you right there, babyface. Acuna didn't talk to the media when the when the Bravos got eliminated. He had yeah. to go through the bus, he said. Yeah. He said he, had, he was late for the bus. He had to go to the bus, and there are still players in the, in the clubhouse there. So as much as everybody wants to trash Mookie for Mookie's answers, Mookie's responses, Mookie was there answering the questions. I mean, to your point, you're right, Roger, because it's just like, what do you want me to say? Whatever I say is not going to change the result. Whatever I say is not going to change the fact that we got swept and that I did not get any hits. In, in the series. Um, but I, I do feel how you answer those questions does, does show. And like I said, anybody who saw that interview with Federico knows Federico was pissed and he was not happy with it. And Federico knew. Uh, and I know that Mookie gets shit, but Mookie said, what, what else do you want from the guy? Mookie said, I did nothing to help this team. Like, you, that's what you guys are saying about Mookie. And he's just saying it. So I, I, I get it. I mean, the players play a role in this. I, I'm very eagerly awaiting what Andrew Friedman has to say and his response to this season. That, that's what I'm eagerly awaiting. And as soon as we get it, we are going to bring it to you guys. Uh, look, I know a lot of our live episodes this week, this past week, uh, have been very successful and you guys have been asking for them. All I got to say, this is the time of the show where I tell you guys, make sure you're subscribed to the podcast. Make sure you guys are subscribed to the YouTube channel. Make sure you guys are subscribed to our socials. That's where you're going to get the information of when we do these live episodes. We'd love to have you on. We'd love to hear what you have to say about what's going on with the Dodgers. Uh, we're still going to be doing shows because we're, we're trying to figure out what's going on with this team in the playoffs. Why does this happen repeatedly? So, yo ha sido su servidor Juan Ramírez, de parte de mi colega Babyface. Nos vemos para la próxima. This episode of the Bleed Lows podcast has been brought to you by betonline.ag, where the game starts. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.